Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Over the next two programmes, I join the Public Relations Officer at the Museum of Coastal Defence, Calvin Kwok, to take a look at the gun emplacements, batteries, in fact all the stuff on the outside of the museum, most dating back to 1887, when the Leyuman Fort was built by the British. They spent a lot of money at that time, £55,000. The Legislative Council has to approve the budget because they fear about they were there was a... Uh, Threats from France and from Russia at that time. So it's called Lei Yumun Fort. It's the biggest one at that time and strongest one. And we are in the redoubt area, the military uh, core, or you can say the heart of, uh, of the fort. Is that, is that what a redoubt is? Yes, it's the heart. It's the last defense, defendable place. And also they put all the ammunition here in ammunition stores and also they live here actually. There are barracks rooms here. And also, that's the. I think you will be interested in this place. It's called the cookhouse. The cookhouse. Every that's morning, where you've got your office. The, the cookhouse. <laughs> the, the, yeah, you, you get your breakfast every day. The soldier would line up around six or seven o'clock here. They line up here and get their breakfast. For a museum of coastal defence, it's quite fun actually, because as you say, you've got uh, what would you class these as bunkers or bombproof rooms. Bombproof rooms. But right. they are used in different kind of ways. For example, there's a guardhouse here. If you're naughty and maybe you're after the holiday, you come back drunk, you will put in the cell for a night until the next morning your superior would de- decide what uh, the punishment will be. And does leisure and cultural services still do that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. And also they live in these uh, barrack rooms. About 32 of them are stationed here for the whole period. For the, whole, for the long. They have to stay here for like six years before sending back to the England. Because traveling in that time uh, takes about three months or four months from England to here. So they had to uh, do a long time of work before going back to see their family. So it's a hard work. So I'm standing with Calvin Kwok. We're in the redoubt of the Leyman Fort, uh, which now, of course, has been converted to the Museum of Coastal Defence. In fact, when, when did it become the museum? In the year 2000. Yes. Yeah, the last British soldier left in a, uh, 1987, after the, a few years after signing the Joint Declaration. Then Urban Council at that time wanted to make it a, change it into a recreation area, so they decided to build a museum with the military theme around here. So the last soldier, in fact, left 100 years after the Leyuman Fort had been established. But you said in 1887 they were wary of the Russians and they were wary of the French. So this was a, a good point to look over the sea. Yes, because uh, in I think in 1885 the French defeated China in, uh, uh, in the war and they took over the Indochina area and they had a strong naval force there. So if the French want to attack, they could come in only four days from the Indochina, the Vietnam area. But they stopped using it only for 20 years because in 1907, they, uh, the Russia, uh, France and Britain, they joined together uh, military uh, to defense against uh, uh, Germany and Austria. And so that led to the First World War. Okay, so it was changing. The, there's no more threats after like 20 years. 
But previously, I mean, the actual Museum of Coastal Defence doesn't just cover, you know, going into 20th century history. It also looks at uh, coastal defence prior to that. So was there, I mean, during the Qing Dynasty, was Leyuman Fort or this area, not the fort as such, but was there, were there installations here, military installations? No, the, the, the Qing government didn't put anything on the island. They put up the big uh, fort over... Uh, the eastern side called the Fat Tong Moon Battery. It's quite far away, but it's also a, a good point overlooking the sea. And uh, they put it up in 1777, and they used about for that was used about for like a hundred years. In uh, 1810, they stopped using that uh, because there's no more uh, major pirates here. And also it's too far away, it's difficult for uh, the soldiers to station over there. So was there anything here prior to 1887? Nothing here on the island. But there's something on Kaolinzai. In Kunchong and in Chim Sa Chui, Lin Zhe Sui, during the, uh, the Open War in 1839, 1840, he put up two big forts over the Kaolinzai. Who, who put up? Lin Zhe Sui, Commissioner Lin. And to because uh, the British opium traders were there, uh, Elliot Charles Elliot, and so uh, he he wanted to to stop them from getting close to the mainland. So actually, there were forts uh, built up by the Qing government by Commissioner Lin over uh, the Kowloon side, but not on the Hong Kong side. So there's nothing on the Hong Kong side. Now this in front of us, where you come out of the museum. Uh, you were saying earlier it's a drawbridge, is it's that drawbridge, true? Yes, yes, because you look down here, there's a ditch surrounding the, the main uh, redoubt area. So was that ever used as a moat or just as a ditch? Yeah, it's just a ditch and you can actually see on the side there's something sticking out from the, from the ditch and you can see the opening called the loopholes so you can actually defend here because what happened here when the enemy wanted to climb up the infantry the enemy's infantry they had to climb up here and they couldn't go through to the uh, main area because it's quite far away it's six meter apart and six meter deep and there's nothing here so they, ca they had to drum down and try to climb up I don't know how they do it maybe ladder or ropes I don't know but then they couldn't have they couldn't done it because you see that's over here if you can see there's loopholes there's a structure very strong it's a very thick wall and we have opening here and you can see opening so small they can just stick a gun out and uh, uh, they estimated that about 80% of the, of the enemy would be killed in, in the ditch Yes, I mean, it's a very tight structure. Yeah. So this would have been built by the British Army? Uh, the engineers, the uh -huh. British Royal Engineers right. in 1887, yes. Has it, I mean, during the Second World War with the Japanese invasion, yeah. was it ever used? Was it ever, I mean, had to be defended at any point? No, it was called the Old Fort Area because after... Uh, at the, during the Second World War time, it's already changed. The technology changed a lot, and this fort was built in the late Victorian period. There's no aeroplanes, and there's no the modern technology, so it wasn't that useful. And actually, they put a anti-aircraft gun area on the back over there because it's taller. It's Taiwan battery, and also they have a quick-firing gun area in Park Sawan, uh, the place near the sea between here and Hanfa Chun. 
so that this place wasn't used. But then the Japanese actually came up from three points, from North Point, Corrie Bay, and South Kiwan. So some of the soldiers here actually defend uh, against them from landing. And mostly the uh, Indian soldiers, many of them die. And then the Canadian soldiers move up here to the to this place to help defending. So both the Indian soldier and Canadian soldier, many died here. And also a dog died here called Gander, Captain Gander, Sergeant Gander, uh, a mascot by the Canadian soldier. He picked up a grenade and died. Because oh, the dog? It, yeah. Yes, yes. Have you yes. heard of that? Yes, it's famous a story. Newfoundland yeah. dog. And yes. actually died around here in Is South Is that Korea. right? Yes. Yeah, unbelievable. They brought the, yeah, the mascot dog across from Canada. Uh, there was that Because no one can take care of them. It's a very big dog. It's like a bear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I think the he said... The military can handle it. Yes, I think he's uh, subsequently, posthumously, being given bravery awards. Um, now, what have we got in front of us here? We have a 25-pounder, and uh, it's been using uh, during the Second World War. It can fire up to 12 km. It's they can fire all the way to Kaolinzai. So it's also very movable. You can move it easily. And we have, also we have, sometimes you have old soldiers would come here and uh, manage it. Sometimes we organize a talk about this, this gun by the actual soldier. Who've, who've used it previously? What, in the Second World War? In or? the Second World War, oh, yes. Okay. It's yeah. called a 25 pound. When you say it's called a 25 pounder, so it's, it's the fine. shells are. The shell is 25 pound. Wow. Yes. So that takes a bit of loading? Yes. It's quite fast, actually, because during that time in 1941, the technology was quite advanced. But in 1887, we're still using muscle loader. That you have to put the shell from the mouth, the muzzle of the gun. It, takes, it took about like a minute or so. If you go to or go down to the magazine, you can see there's um, a store for putting the uh, the gun accessories or the sidearms they call. It's very troublesome. You have to clear the barrel and to wash the barrel, and a lot a lot of stuff has has to. Do. So if you can fire two or three rounds a minute, it would be quite quick. So this is a 25 pounder yeah. Mark One field gun that was used here in the Second World War. Just looking around, of course, there's way more reclamation, there's way more high-rises that you see around Leyuman now. But going back to 1887, what, the, what would the view have been when you look at old maps? Nothing there. Nothing there would there. be nothing here. There would be some village. Village uh, over there is called Agongam. It's uh, like a quarry thing. So there would be a few people living here. We still have some old village over there with the, like a rock structure. But then there's nothing, nothing more than here. So you think about the, the soldiers, they, come, they came here for six years. It's like a godforsaken land. There's nothing to do, nothing to see, okay? Because they were poor and they want to travel to the world maybe, I don't know. And we can just go up and show the students. And now how we would we would go down there and get the shell and the charge bag. Uh, we tell them it's very trouble. You have to have a charge bag and you have to have a projectile, a shell, and then would go stand up there and then would push them yeah. with the, uh, the gun, the, the sidearms, the gun accessory called the rammer. You ram down the shell 
and I can actually stand up here, right? And show them how to push uh, the shell. And here you can see there's a hole called a vent. I show them you put, uh, you can fire from the vent and so they would be more interested. And also you can see the technology is, is simple, but you can see I can use the one hand, I can change the elevation. Just using one hand, I can change the elevation of the gun. Yes, it's moving now. Yeah. So basically you'd have to go down. You're saying it's a 64 pounder, so yeah, the actual, the shell would weigh 64 pounds. Yes. yes. How would they bring it back up the steps? Bring it, just use your hands. They're very strong men. I think they could use two people to carry it and uh, but I think they would be strong enough do you think they can strong enough they are strong enough to to take take a shell by themselves maybe but that's uh, yeah very labor intensive because yes. that would be yeah 25 30 kilos that, that would be uh, like um, around 10 8 to 10 gun crew here so that would be people helping each other so you'd have to get right up onto the wall there load it yes. into the into that the front be the most dangerous person now because you see the wall is protecting the soldiers actually it's quite tall because it's you know the British soldier average height so you don't want the soldier to uh, the head would go up there because that would the sniper would kill you before you can fire but then the one person had to stand up to the wall because he had to push the shell into the barrel and also his back is facing the enemy so that guy would be the bravest now you can see all these holes on the wall. They, that's the place you put the uh, military lantern for lighting purpose. And you can see one there. Okay. So what would it have been? Kerosene? Uh, no, just candle. Six candle inside a box like, like a lantern. And they can uh, provide lighting for like six hours. My thanks to Calvin Kwok of the Hong Kong Museum of Coastal Defence. Next week, we look at the defences up the hill to the fort and the memorial to the young Canadian soldiers shipped in just weeks before the Japanese military invasion of Hong Kong in 1941. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>